Hey there, and welcome to the 680 News Podcast. I'm your host, John Mace. On this weekly program, we take a look at some of the week's biggest stories, offer you an inside look at our operations here in downtown Toronto, all while trying to have a bit of fun. Thanks so much for tuning in. We've got a great show lined up for you today. The loon is flying. Our cottage country traffic has begun. It is absolutely ridiculous. It looks like the city of Toronto is evacuating. Two of our traffic reporters give you the rundown, as well as some tips to beat the mass exodus. Toronto's cycling population is on the rise, and the city is laying down new lanes to improve commuter safety. But can we all get along? We debunk some two-wheel myths along with Toronto police and ask the important questions. Clint, do you think dedicated bike lanes will make it safer for not only the cyclists, but also for the motorists as well in the city of Toronto? Also, we've got an exclusive look at some of Ontario's best road trips. All that and more coming up, but first, our top story. Well, the car's packed, the trunk's overflowing, and the kids already need a bathroom break. Yes, it's time to go up to the cottage, and the 400 is jammed all the way up to Barrie. It's music to our ears. Our cottage country traffic has just kicked off, so for some tips on beating the traffic and how to best make use of our traffic updates, I hand the mic over to two of our traffic reporters. Hi everyone, I'm Colette Desjardins. And I'm Jordan Kerr. And we're your cottage country traffic people. Yes, we're the reporters on the weekend helping you get to the cottage. And now the cottage country is officially here. 680 News does have cottage country traffic on the nines on Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. If it's a holiday, Mondays as well. And what you have to listen for is that loon that we like to hear all summer long. And here it is. Yes, that's the loon on the nines. It's very loud. You can't miss it. (laughs) So, of course, it's starting on Fridays. It starts at 11 in the morning, goes till 11 at night on Saturdays, 8 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon. And Sundays or Mondays, if it's a holiday, from 11 to 11 again. So, Jordan, you work on Friday. Yes, I do. And so let us know. Tell us about the volume situation. Well, I usually get in at 11 a.m. on a Friday. And at that point, traffic isn't too bad. By noon, it's starting to build on the 400, the usual spots through the Holland Marsh, through Highway 9 up to Canal Road and through Barrie as well. Eastbound 401 is very slow through the Salem area, through that Lake Ridge construction. That's where it really starts getting busy first. And unfortunately, if you're heading out to, to the Peterborough, Coarthas area, if you're uh, heading up onto the 35-115, you've got to leave really early because at eastbound 401, the cottage country traffic merges with the rush hour traffic and it gets really slow really fast. The northbound 400 usually gets really busy between 3 and 4, again, when it merges with rush hour traffic. So you've got the cottage goers going up north and the rush hour traffic leaving the city. And on Saturday, I'm in at 8 o'clock. Jordan's already there, so he's watching Cottage Country. And usually what happens uh, before on the Saturday when I get in at 8, sometimes there's construction on the northbound 400, sometimes on the southbound 400 too. So Jordan and I talk. We're a good team. He looks after the local traffic. And I would say on the Saturday, you want to be on the eastbound 401 by 8 o'clock because it's already starting to build from Salem out to Brock Street. Pretty good after that over to the 35-115. But if it's a holiday Saturday morning, and we know that's the worst, it's going to build all the way out to the 35-115 by 9 o'clock. As far as the northbound 400 is concerned, everything starts to build through the Holland Marsh at around 9. So if you're heading up north on the northbound 400, you want to be basically leaving before 9 o'clock. And then it gets uh, builds through Highway 88 up to 89 and then through the Barrie area. Usually we start to see a real slowdown at around 11 o'clock to noon. That's when it gets really, really crazy. 
And once again, back to Friday. Uh, Friday, the earlier, the better, or later, the better. You don't want to go during those midday hours. Anywhere past noon to 7, 8, really bad time to leave up to the cottage. If you're going to be going up on a Friday night or, well, leave really, really late, uh, usually around 11 o'clock. I've had lots of people say that 11 o'clock after that, the traffic gets a lot better. It's a lot easier. You'll save yourself a lot of time, a lot of stress. You're not stuck on the road for hours at a time. Now, one thing we know is that people rent cottages, and usually the Second time is at 12 noon. My advice is don't wait till 10 o'clock or 11. Get on the road, especially the northbound 400 or the eastbound 401 before 9, and then spend some time up there before you check in. Have lunch, do your shopping, and it's going to save you a headache no matter what. Uh, one thing we would want to touch on, again, is construction. Construction is mm-hmm. being set up. It, it goes on all through the summer. It's everywhere. And construction has been beginning earlier and earlier, even through the past couple of weeks. It's been starting on the 400 around 7, 7.30 in the evening, and that can really conflict with the cottagegoers and with rush hour traffic leaving the city. You might want to think about alternate routes and alternate routes to the 400. There's a couple of them. Yeah, actually, um, Highway 27 will recommend, especially when the 400 is packed solid, you know, from Highway 7 all the way up to, say, 89 and then through Barrie. Highway 27, I've done it before. It's a nice scenic route. Another thing you can do is take Jane or Weston uh, northbound because it's parallel to the 400. That turns into the 5th and 10th side road. Those side roads, we will recommend them. And when people are on them, they'll call us and say, oh, my God, it was wide open. Thank you so much. So that's definitely great alternates to the 400. And of course, if you're out there, you are taking a back road or an alternate route, and it's way better than the 400 or even a 27 Jane Weston 5th 10th side road. Call us, let us know. We'll recommend it to other people. You can save a lot of people a lot of extra time. And that goes for everywhere in cottage country. If you're taking a back road, that's clearly a lot better than the 35-115, Highway 12, 26, Highway 48, any of those. Give us a call. We'll let people know as well. Don't be afraid to tweet to us as well. Mm -hmm. And one thing is Twitter, you update Twitter a lot when you're doing cottage country. I'll up, yeah, I'll. I mean, let's face it, we get collisions going out on the cottage country route, so we're always going to notify you. But we're also going to notify. We're going to tweet out how volume is from where to where, just to give you a bit of an idea. Also, one of the things that I wanted to touch on is the eastbound 401. Jordan and I know that that eastbound 401 can get really nasty with volume, and even on the nicest days, even, even when there's nothing going on, <laughs> that's it can get right. really messy through there. So, um, you know, our advice is if if it's backed up, why don't you spend a little bit of that money and take the eastbound 407 that hooks up with Highway 7, take that across. Another route um, that you can take on the eastbound 401 is Highway 2, but just through rush hour. Highway 2 during rush hour as you head through, uh, well, Kingston Road into Highway 2 heading through Ajax and Whitby and Oshawa can get really busy, but outside of rush hour, it's usually a better route than the East 401. The East 401 can jam up from Port Union right out to the 35-115, on a, especially on a holiday weekend. That's right. Now, on when you are heading home and you're taking the westbound 401, on Sunday, we will actually cover volume from Belleville all the way back into Toronto. So it gets crazy through Belleville, Grafton, Port Hope, um, right through Oshawa, Whitby. So we'll definitely let you know about volume coming back 
back from the Belleville area back into Toronto. And that's the one thing, thing about Sundays as well is that everyone leaves at different times on the Friday and Saturday. Some people leave Friday night, Friday morning, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. But usually everyone's coming home on the, on the Sunday or if it's a long weekend on the Monday night. So what would you recommend doing if uh, if you're staying up there for the whole weekend? Would you leave earlier on the Sunday or later? What I would suggest is if you have access to 680 News traffic, um, you've got a radio or you can listen to on the Internet, is on Sunday, just listen, tune in. We're on the air from Cottage Country on the 9th from 11 to 11. Now, I know some of you would... Uh, stay up for dinner because there was a closure and you would wait it out. So I recommend that. Tune us in at 11 o'clock. Find out what's going on. And if you're going to leave in the afternoon, be prepared that things will slow down through the Barry area. It always slows down through there. Even on the Saturday morning, it is absolutely ridiculous. It looks like the city of Toronto is evacuating and it gets so jammed. And a lot of people, a lot of you are very frustrated and we understand this. Usually nothing has happened as far as a collision construction. It's just that you left at the same time as everybody else. So we do our best. If you do find an alternate, call in and say, tell us what route and we'll pass that along. But know that when we give information on alternates, if, a lot if we of, say a road is doing really well, a lot of people are going to go to that road and it's going to get busy. But yeah. usually it's going to be better than the 400. As I said, Highway 27 always fills in first of the 400s jammed up. But even if Highway 27 is slow, it's usually always better than the 400 once it's completely jammed up. Well, we hope we've given you some great advice on cottage country traffic. Remember, local traffic is on the ones. And cottage country traffic is on the nines. Listen for that loon. I'm Colette Tejardin. And I'm Jordan Kerr. Thanks for listening. Did you know a bicycle is a vehicle under the Highway Traffic Act? Toronto's cycling community is growing every year, and there are far too many accidents out there on city streets. To go over some do's and don'ts for both two and four wheels, two of our traffic experts spoke to one of Toronto's top cops about the rules on the roads. Here's Daryl Dahmer and Carrie Prunskis. In 1972, Melanie had a major hit on the charts with the song Brand New Key, and in that, she talked about... I rode my bicycle past your window last night. So I thought today, why don't we talk with Constable Clint Stibby from Toronto Police Services Media Relations about bicycling. Hi, Clint. Hey, Daryl. So... Clint, I've gone to the City of Toronto website, and there's a great PDF file here with pictures. I'm a big one for pictures. You know me long enough. And words and stuff like that. So one of the words that I had never heard of before is the word sharrow. Clint, what is a sharrow? A sharrow is a shared lane pavement marking. That basically means that this marking includes bicycle symbols along with uh, two white chevrons. And those can be useful for uh, what's not necessarily a dedicated uh, lane. So although it's indicating a bicycle there, it's also able to be used by vehicular traffic, such as motor vehicles. So the subject today is bike lanes. And the bike lanes are all over Toronto, and they're planning to increase them and so on. Now, one, of the, uh, one of the routes is Bloor Street. Carrie, you drive Bloor Street? I ride Bloor Street every day. All right, you come in from Dufferin all the way into the radio station to Jarvis. What do you think? Do you think a bike lane is going to be a good idea for you? I'm definitely in favor of the bike lanes. I think it'll be good for not just cyclists in getting a direct east-westbound route that is safer, but uh, it's also supposed to be good for business, for the local merchants. According to an article that I saw on the star.com, other cities like New York City where they do have dedicated bike lanes, it's been shown to significantly improve not just the safety, 
but also business for local merchants in the area. Clint, there are all sorts of rules and regulations and so on like that. There's a big disconnect that I've seen uh, as a bicyclist and a motorcyclist and an automobile driver from what the public knows and what they should know. What are we doing to educate the public or what should the uh, public do to educate themselves about rules and regulations about bicycling? Well, I think it's actually imperative that they pay attention to any new laws that have come into effect, especially since September of 2015 with Bill 31. There were a number of additional uh, rules and uh, now uh, offenses that have been added in order to help protect cyclists. But the end result is the driver is still the one responsible in saying that I didn't know or you know, being a somewhat oblivious to the actual uh, rules themselves per se. The individual is still held responsible for their actions. So if it's an opening a door and a cyclist uh, striking the door or a person uh, perhaps making a turn in front of a cyclist failing to yield, I mean, there are certain times when a cyclist may be at fault and there are certain times when a driver will be at fault. What I think we're going to need to do and change going forward, I think it needs to be a generational change. I mean, any time there's a new law introduced, it's very slow to be adopted by the public. But if we can get the up-and-coming generation to recognize that Cycling is part of our active lifestyle and active transportation that the City of Toronto is trying to adopt and trying to bring into place. And if we keep in mind that we need to share the roadways, unfortunately, we have segments of the population that do not follow those rules or choose to disobey them on purpose in order to further their own gain, if you will, to get to work sooner. Me first. Maybe first. It's probably the best way to put it. It's like they're driving around on their own private island and really have no haphazard care what's going to happen to everybody else. The reality is that these types of situations are putting everybody at risk. And as a result, in some cases, we're seeing individuals killed or seriously injured as a result of these poor decisions by not just the drivers, but by everybody. And that includes pedestrians, cyclists, and drivers. Yeah, I I think it's important for drivers and cyclists and pedestrians uh, we all have just as much right to be on the roadways and the sidewalks in the pedestrians case uh, as each other like i think that's what i've noticed just as a cyclist there is this sort of um, resentment a little bit of a resentment exactly like it's it's the war against the bicycle or the war against car depending which side of the argument you're on and uh yeah just what you said uh about sharing the roadway like that's really the key thing that I think people need to get into their heads. The purpose of this podcast today is to highlight education. You must educate yourself on what the rules and regulations are, not only the bylaws of the City of Toronto, but how you navigate yourself around the city, whether you're on a motorcycle, a bicycle, or you're in a car. And if you want to find out more about this, Google City of Toronto Bicycle Laws. And it's a very, very good pamphlet that's been put out. But I tell you, after reading this, this to me is a series of confusions, and it's a dog's breakfast. And as a motorist, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble interpreting this and being able to carry it out. Clint, do you think dedicated bike lanes will make it safer for not only the cyclists, but also for the motorists as well in the city of Toronto? I believe it will, as long as everybody's aware of the proper way to manage traffic themselves as they're approaching the intersections or attempting to make turns because of the sheer number of individuals that will now take advantage of those lanes the op- the opportunity for a collision to occur will increase unless the drivers pay more attention to what they're doing and that they're not distracted in the vehicle that was our daryl Dahmer and carrie prunskis speaking with toronto police constable clint stibby so if the downtown gridlock's too much for you it's time to make like fonda and hopper and hit the open road
we're talking about leaving it all behind and going for a road trip. The province is out with a list of Ontario's best road trips, so to get the wheels rolling, I caught up with Ontario Travel's Kevin Forgette. So Kevin, we're talking today about Ontario's best road trips. Is this a magazine our listeners can get their hands on? Yeah, so it's a, a magazine that you can get your hands on. You can go to any Ontario Travel Information Centre across the province and get a hard copy magazine, or you can get it on PDF form by going to ontariotravel.net, and it's just launched brand new Ontario's Best Road Trips. Is this an annual look at Ontario's Best Road Trips? Or? Well, this is the first one. I'm okay. not sure if we're going to do one again, but okay. this is the first time that we've really broke down some ideas of places that people can go right across the province. Okay, so I got a quick chance to look at some of the trips. So we're going to start close to home. There's a Toronto and Niagara Grand Tour I saw. What is the province recommend doing here in our fine city? So what it is, Toronto to Niagara Falls, it's five stops, about 260 kilometers, and really it breaks down some ideas from day one right through to day five on places that you can stop along the road trip. So kind of stopping in Toronto, doing, you know, the CN Tower, doing Ripley's uh, Aquarium, then day two, heading to the ROM, day three, going to Vaughan. So Vaughan Mills, they've got lots there, you know, they've got Wonderland, they've got all the great uh, um, malls there. But then now we're making our way day four to Cambridge, to African Lion Safari, to the Niagara Falls region in day five doing some things that maybe people haven't done in a long time, things like Journey Behind the Falls, you know, doing the Hornblower, which is the brand new boat that they have at Niagara Falls now too. Okay, well, it's a great weekend for us to talk about it. Uh, we just started our coverage for Cottage Country Traffic just minutes ago, actually. So if I've got a car, I want to head up north or out east. What sort of trip could you recommend for me? So we have the Georgian Bay Loop, which is kind of one of the other suggestions that we have, which is Wasaga Beach around to the Blue Mountains. Again, we're suggesting six stops, about 835 kilometers. You don't have to do them all, but it sort of stops off at Wasaga Beach. Might not be warm enough yet to jump on the lake, but at least you can enjoy the beach. They've got uh, lots of festivals happening, and then heading their way to Perry Sound, heading to Killarney Provincial Park, Manitoulin Island on day three. Day four, we're going to uh, Tobamori, then ending day five at the village of Blue Mountain. They have now their mountain coaster, which is there, so it's the Ridge Runner, which is a great ride you can do at Blue Mountain. Mini golf is now open at the village of Blue Mountain and all of their activities. So a lot of our listeners as well, when they're heading out to the cottage, for many of them, it's in the east direction. So what do we have out towards uh, the Kingston area? I think I saw something around Prince Edward County as well. Yeah, so we have uh, we have a couple of different options. So we have the uh, the waterways, which is Prince Edward County to the Ottawa Valley. So we're calling it the waterways to Ottawa and beyond. So it's a great trip. It is eight stops, about 545 kilometers. So day one, starting off in Prince Edward County, a huge, huge wine uh, region, Prince Edward County. So trying some of that stuff right. and then making their way to Kingston, doing the trolley tours, the market. They have a great market in downtown Kingston. Day three, embarking on the Thousand Islands cruise, so Kingston, Gananoque, um, all of that stuff. The cruises are great because you can do them during the day as well as at night. Day four, beginning your day off in Ottawa, Parliament Hill, which is a free tour. A lot of people don't realize you can go into Parliament Hill for absolutely free. Day five, you're making your way to uh, one of the biggest themed indoor water parks, which is uh, Calypso Water Park. And then day six, you're doing owl rafting or wilderness tours rafting, so on the Ottawa River. If you've never done whitewater rafting before, I highly recommend it. I had the chance to do it two summers ago. Still one of the things that I still talk about. I I was lucky enough to do one of those as well. So, Kevin, did you have the difficult assignment of checking out all these tours? (laughs) You know what? Uh, I haven't gone on all of them, but there are so many 
places that I have gone. So what we did is we combined lots of suggestions from people who work in Ontario travel, people in the tourism industry, and kind of sort of compiled some great stops along the way. So if you're kind of heading out to the east, kind of heading out to maybe the west, you're going to Subble Beach, Grand Bend area. What we did is we compiled lots of great suggestions, put them together in a magazine. The cool thing is the magazine has um, suggestions, but even more. So we've listed even more suggestions that we couldn't put in the magazine at our website. So, and are these, for the most part, uh, family-friendly, would you say? Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, uh, pretty much everything that involves trips. So if it's uh, fishing, if it involves uh, whitewater rafting, if it involves, uh, you know, doing wakeboarding out in Grand Bend, everything involves things that kids can get involved into. Okay, great. And just to end, Kevin, is there one tour you're particularly excited about, one you can't wait to go on yourself? Well, you know what? I haven't, uh, I haven't spent a lot of time out in the Grand Bend Sable Beach area. So um, I love the tour. It's eight stops, about 165 kilometers. So it's not a long driving tour, but there's lots to do. So Grand Bend, you have the sunsets on Lake Huron, which are romantic in itself, mm-hmm. if you're looking to kind of spend a little bit of romantic time, but then also doing some stuff in Bayfield, a historic city where you can, uh, it's not really a city, a, a historic town where you can really do some shopping, check out the B&Bs, and then really end day five off in Sable Beach, rated one of the top five beaches in Canada. We should be proud of that. Oh, you've got to see the watercolor there. It's crystal clear. You'd swear you're in a different country. I agree. Well, that's great, Kevin. Thanks so much for your time. That's all we need. Thank you. Have yourself a great day. You bet. That was Kevin Forgette with Ontario Travel. Check out ontariotravel.net for more. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks a lot to you for listening and to all my contributors and guests for this week. A reminder that we'd like your feedback for future episodes. You can send your comments or story ideas to at JohnMace680News on Twitter, or you can reach the listener line at 416-872-6800. Your recorded comments could make it on to future episodes. I'm John Mace, and thanks for listening.